Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. Man, I think the last six episodes have actually started this exact same way, and I think it's losing its luster, because I'm always like, I am so excited, but I genuinely, genuinely mean that I'm excited. I spent three, four hours going down the rabbit hole of your content, and dude, I learned so much just in three, four hours, so I'm really excited to bring the heat on this episode. So today, we got Eric Sue. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Absolutely. I was... um, I was going through your YouTube channel of the topics you cover, and I don't have it in front of me anymore, but it was like it was like everything. The scope of what you cover was everything from acquisitions and companies to like studying and marketing and and talking like it it was it's wide. Would you agree with that? Yep, I tried to go wide. And so I was like, okay, I, I was making a list and I'm like, how can I tailor this to be as specific as possible? But I also don't want to lose out the opportunity of what's in that beautiful brain, beautiful mind. And I know we just mentioned, I was like, what's your superpower? And you're like, it's learning, it's leveling up. And so it's no no surprise to me that you've got a wealth of knowledge. So I don't want to waste that. And so I have a few topics that I wanted to cover, but whatever direction this goes, I'm very open to that. Uh, I know you're the CEO of ClickFlow, a content intelligence software which helps you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. I do want to talk about that in a sec. You also own an ad agency. Uh, you got a host of two podcasts, Marketing School with Neil Patel, and you've got the podcast Leveling Up, which is also the name of your book that comes out on February 24th called Leveling Up. Those are all the things, and, and appreciate you putting the three to four hours to, to pre-research. That's, that's, that's hard to do. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm also, I think, um, when someone asks what my superpower is, I answer it in the same way as I am a sponge for learning. I hated I hated school, didn't like high school, never went to college, and I thought maybe I'm a bad student, but I realized that the lessons of life aren't learned in the classroom, and I'm like, Dude, anything I can learn, I'm down, and so I'm really excited. Um, tell us a bit about what, what leveling up means. What's, what's that mean to you? Because it seems like a pillar yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, it, I think, you know, it's funny. It's when people will say, you know, when you whenever you write, write a book, your first book is usually your best one, so I feel like that might be the case. <laughs> and you know, for me, I'm kind of like you, right? I almost got kicked out of high school. I almost got kicked out of college. I just wasn't interested in, in, in schooling. I wasn't interested in being told what to do um, or being prescribed something. It's like, you don't even understand me. Why are you prescribing me to do all these things? Um, and so, you know, at, at maybe nine or 10 years old, I had started to play games. I started doing esports before it became a thing. I would join teams, you know, we played Counter-Strike and things like that, which is still a relevant game even in today's day and age. And, um, you know, for me, what I learned from gaming was that, you know, you just got to get stronger, a little bit stronger every single day. And it applies to business. So, you know, when Mario eats a mushroom, he levels up. Right. Um, and so it's the same thing when it comes to learning. Like you're just trying to get a little stronger every single day, one percent better every day. And um, that's the whole idea. And it's a game that will never end. I just want to keep playing till the day I die. I love that. And I love how your entire brand is going through your websites and just other interviews you've been doing is um, I know I think on the YouTube banner, this might be on your website as well is um, business is a game. Learn how to master it. Yep. And I had to adapt the philosophy of business being game because emotionally it became, at some point, it was just so complex and the team was building. I'm like, I need to see this as a game and detach emotionally. That was like my my reason for making it a game. What what was, um, obviously your background in gaming played a role in it, but when you say business is a game, learn to master it, um, what does that mean? Yeah, so 
when I wake up in the morning, I feel, and this is something I told myself when I was 10 or 11 years old. I was like, man, if I could just recapture this feeling I feel from playing these games, because I woke up Ooh. excited every day. And, and I feel the same thing about business, right? Because if I get bored, I can just go on, you know, I can go invest in like Pokemon cards like this, right? Or I can go do a podcast like how we're doing right now, or I can go hang out in Clubhouse. I can go throw events. There's so many games within the game there, there's games within the game right so like i can hire people i can do there's all these dynamics these levers i can pull and it's very much like what i was doing when i was younger it, it teaches you how to think and move quickly so so much fun okay i love this so if someone's listening they're just like dude that's great for you you've got this awesome business and you can see it as a game but the stakes are so high um, and I know at, at first it's terrifying. It's like you've invested your money into something and you may not have a backup. For anyone who's maybe there in the early stages of it, they'd love to see it as a game. But the stakes in a video game are like, do you restart and that's about it? Whereas in business, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little bit more emotional. Um, any advice around that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this will take time to build up. And I think it's it's all good that we're talking about it here. But this is one of those things that have to be experienced. Yeah. It has to be experienced. And what I mean by that is when I took over my ad agency, single, um, I, I basically, can you still hear me? Yep. Yep. You're, you're okay, back. Cool, sorry. No, it's all I'm good. Sure I'm down there. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I took over my ad agency, Single Grain, it was a failing company. And my, my podcast co-host, Neil Patel, he was actually one of the, the partners in the company. And he told me to get out. He's like, the company's worth nothing. You know, you should um, you should get out. There's no brand equity. There's nothing. Point is, I was able to acquire the company for $2 out of pocket. Um, so to me, there was a lot. It was an asymmetric bet, meaning the upside was very high, mm. unlimited almost. And my downside was, I'm just going to learn a lot. There's not a lot to lose. So how... There's going to be a lot of those scenarios where you might see something that other people don't see, and then you can make that bet, right? And this is a scenario where I'm not going to lose a lot of money out of pocket. And I think it's really important for people to understand, too, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a high performer, and you're trying to get to the next level. And so to understand that, look, you know, your worst case scenario, your risk of ruin might be someone else's best case scenario. Because had I failed there, I would still be able to get like a VP of marketing job easy because, you know, there's there were people that, that, um, that knew me already. I had built up the skills, right? But if you want to go even more junior than that, like, you know, starting out with, with no experience, nothing, when you're starting out in the beginning, all you have is time. And so you can afford to make all these mistakes and, and get the suckage out of your body as you start to get stronger and stronger. Um, and then eventually, you know, you want to build up. The idea here is, and I'm getting a little macro here. You can pull me back if you want to. This is brilliant. But, you know, thinking about how do I build a cash flow source, right? So whether you want to drop ship, you know, build a drop shipping business and then eventually hold inventory and e-commerce thing, have that be your cash cow, or you can build an agency if you want. There's not a lot of overhead there. Think about the asymmetric, you know, upside that you'll have. And then what you can do after you establish that one cash cow is go look for more durable, more exponential sources of revenue and you can start to go invest there, right? So you go from learning to earning and then you start thinking like an investor and in in essence you're leveling up your career as well because you're going from look you're going from student to job to having your own thing to building you know services and to building products and just getting stronger and stronger and what i guess what you're saying here is your your skill set that you develop in the pursuit of is is the true return on investment like you can use that over and over and over yeah, I mean, Warren Buffett says this, right? Like the, the best investment you can make is, is in yourself and nobody can ever take that away. Yeah, I also like one thing you said here. I just kind of drew a chart as you were talking so I can see it visually, but you were mentioning risk. And I think sometimes we're told, and correct me here on your philosophy, but like go all in at the first, like just just put it all on the line. But I've also been taught like, and I just heard this today from from someone I learned from was, um, was don't bet the farm. 
like don't bet the entire farm. Um, be smart about it. And I think it's kind of glorified of like just go all in. But you said you, you looked at your risks. You bought the company. There was a lot of upside for you, very little downside, and you know it was going to be a win-win situation. Do you find your do do you see people, especially in the early stages, they want to be like Elon Musk and bet on the final rocket and just go all in? Yet maybe their skill let or skill just too much for what they can handle emotionally. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned something. I think it's important to understand that um, you want to go for bets that where it's heads you win a lot, but tails you don't lose much, yeah. or maybe you, you, you don't lose at all. Yeah. Um, you're looking for those types of bets. And I, I think to your point about the Elon Musk of, of the world, I think it's also very easy. People tend to give up, and, and this is probably a statement most people won't agree with, but you know, it, it's it's a very egotistical thing, right? To say that what most people give up because they're too egotistical. And what I mean by that is usually they'll start to post content for maybe a month or two and they'll be like, okay, I give up, right? right. Um, and it's because they're looking at their followers. And to me, that's like you're you're focusing on the wrong thing. You should be focused on the learning and getting better, right? Um, yeah. So to compare yourself to an Elon Musk, he's at chapter you know 25 or level 30, level 100, right? You're at level one right now. Focus on your own level. Focus on you getting better every single day, 1% better. Elon Musk is on his own journey. And he, he's, he, he bet the farm. But at the same time, like if Elon Musk lost everything – you don't think he'll be able to build it back up. He's built up so many skills yeah. where he knows how to make money. And that's that to, at that point where it's like, is that risky? Well, you have to think about how he interprets risk, right? To him, like losing all the money, he's just going to go back and get it because he's yeah. that damn good. And you want to make yourself that damn good. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm a little peewee in podcasting compared to you, you know, you and Neil Patel, but we've been doing this three years, 230 awesome. episodes in the first year. I was just doing it to develop the skill of like, how do you, how do you do this interview thing? And then we had like Grant Cardone, yourself, and just like just legends and just amazing human beings. And I don't even care what someone's net worth is, just amazing human beings. And guys are like, how do you get those guests? And I'm like, dude, three years and 220 episodes in. Um, hopefully, you'll learn that skill. So to me, it's it's the, the absolutely the game and the Kaizen, the 1% better. Yeah. And, so, and by the way, like, the, you know, when I think about uh, doing, you know, podcasting or, you know, doing Clubhouse, things like that. Did the relationship we're able to build like this, yeah. that, that's that's a hack in itself, right? The learning you get, the free learning, the free relationships that you can build, uh, the audience that you're building at the same time, like why would you not want to do it, right? And if we come back to what Naval Ravikant says, billionaire, um, you know, founder of AngelList, there's four forms of leverage. There's code, capital, labor, code, capital, labor, and media. What we're doing right now is media. Not enough people think about media. And I think we're going into a scenario where media, it's going to be reversed now. If you build an audience first, you can then build a business around it. It used to be build the business first, but I think things are slowly starting to change. So cool. So cool. When it comes to leveling up, and I know you've got the book. Again, it comes out on the, uh, February 24th, so I'll make sure I leave any links below. I'm excited for it as well. And I love the idea of gamifying the business, gamifying life, leveling up. Do you have a, a framework or if someone's like, man, I want to level up, where would you start working someone through this whole level up process? Yeah, I think, um, and by the way, here, I'll show you what the book looks like. Those of you that can see on the camera, I got the book right next to me right here. But um, so one of the concepts that I, I, I borrowed from uh, the CEO of ConvertKit, his name's um, Nathan Berry, um, is the concept of a wealth ladder. And the whole thing with the wealth ladder is that, you know, you start out, you know, on, on the bottom rung over here, right? So you might start out as a student, like I mentioned earlier, and then you got to build what's the next rung after that? Well, you got to build great habits. And then after that, well, you're probably going to go try to get a job, right? That's kind of the traditional path. And then after that, you know, when you're getting a job, maybe you're freelancing on the side too. So you're getting a little stronger there. Oh, the freelancing stuff is going well. Maybe you start the agency. 
And then the agency is going, well, okay, you know what? Let's quit the job and then let's start to hire more people. Let's maybe productize our agency, right? Then let's go create products. Then let's go invest in things, right? But there's a progression that has to happen. And some, some of these are not mutually exclusive. You can kind of do both at the same time. But, um, you know, that's what it is. It's not just, hey, you can certainly start from a student and go all the way up to an investor. You can skip levels and it does work for some people, but those are outliers, right? You want to make bets that um, that you that you tend you you'll tend to have an edge in. Um, if you you know if you want to do it, you can. If you if you think you're that damn good, but that's an easy way to think about leveling up. And the other thing is the book's called leveling up because throughout life you're constantly collecting power ups, right? Power ups could be you know habits. Um, a, a, an example of a power up here is we're learning from each other, right? We're learning, you know, that's a, that's a power up. You know, you can you can have the power up of, of leverage as well. And, and when you're playing a game, you know, let's say Mario eats like a, you know, the mushroom or he eats the flower and then he gets to shoot fireballs. You get to, the fireballs eventually run out, right? Some, you can't right. just keep shooting them forever. Um, and so things will decay. Like if you're swinging a sword over and over, it's going to decay. So you got to keep sharpening the sword, right? So one power up might be, you know, um, you know, meditating in the morning or it might be you know getting on a bike and training in the morning but just because you spend time on it one day it's it has to constantly be sharpened right so that's what life is all about you're constantly seeking and you're constantly trying to get stronger and you don't have to if that's not your goal if you want to stay at level two that's fine but if you want to go to level 99 you want to make the most of your potential you gotta you gotta beat the current level or else you don't deserve to go to the next level that's just how life works Okay, so so help us out here. So so someone's listening and they've got they absolutely have experience in something. They have probably been through something that gave them a big skill set. They know that they can help others. They can coach others. They can serve others. They can um, powerful speakers. They know that they can heal. They know that they have that in them. And so then they go to the marketplace and they build something cool or they they start a little social media profile and they keep voicing their superpower, but no one's listening or no one's really being attracted to it. They're maybe missing some positioning and some marketing and some of that stuff. Um, so I would almost call that they've, they've worked up a few rungs on the ladder and they've built a skill set. They've read hundreds of books, done a ton of seminars, and they've really worked on themselves. They probably helped people around them. What's the next level for them? How would you guide someone to that next level? Yeah. So look, I don't really do uh, coaching or anything like that, but what I can say is, you know, hanging out in a clubhouse with a lot of these, uh, coaches. Yep. And I, I guess in some, some senses, people kind of consider me a coach, but you know, I give all my stuff away for free. Yep. Um, and so if I were starting out as a coach, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, you know, you start out like I, I've been to a lot of these seminars, right? You'll have these amazing people speaking. You know, let's say you go to a Tony Robbins thing. You go to like certified coaches. You're, you become a certified coach. You go through the program. Maybe you paid a 10 grand. That part's fine. Maybe you got some value from it, but you have to take the action, right? If you 100%. aren't taking the action and you say, oh, I, I just because I did all this work, just because I learned, you learned but you haven't started to earn. You gotta, you gotta learn before you earn and then you gotta actually put it into practice. So if I were thinking about starting out, let's say I just graduated, I have the certification now, who can I go to and offer to do work for for free, right? For maybe 30 days or so and say, hey, look, I'm gonna coach you on this um, and you know, if it works out, um, you know, maybe we can start to move on to a, a monthly retainer, right? Mm -hmm. That works out for any type of coaching or consulting type of business. And I think most people just aren't willing to go through the pain. And yeah. when you're, again, when you're starting out, all you have in the world is time, right? You know, you're reaching out to people every single day. You know, let's say you're DMing someone on Instagram, you know, people that you want to work with. Say, you know, in the first five words, get your point across, right? So I might say, you know, um, interested in buying Pokemon cards, right, from you or something like that, right? Um, or, you know, 
are you interested in let, let's just use this as an example are you interested in stock coaching right and you're reaching out to maybe people in finance maybe you're searching their profiles whatever uh, but you're getting to the point and maybe you're sending like you know 10 to 20 dms per hour right maybe you're aiming for 100 per day or something like that and eventually you're going to get out of the hundred you're going to get one person that bites and you just do it a couple more times you're going to have clients and then you're going to have too many clients now you have to increase your prices and now you have to go hire people and now you're building an actual business yeah, right 100%. but again it's really nerve-wracking to compare yourself to other coaches that have been doing it for five to ten years and that's going to defeat you if you keep comparing yourself because comparison is the thief of joy right so 100 percent. so funny because i just circled when you said media um i think and then now you brought it home with the whole comparison thing. Do you think that people aren't willing to go through those? I went through a year of pretty much working for free. So like I get that, like learning my skill set. And Robert Greene's book, um, Mastery and 48 Laws of Power, were just like my Bibles. I just kept reading them being like, I just saw myself as like the guy who's just learning from the master. And I'll just, if I keep picking away at this, I did not have social media back then. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have a phone. Like my story is pretty untech savvy. Um, but now I see people just, they're constantly looking at these people who are 20 steps ahead of them and they want to be like them. And I get that. Uh, do you think that, and I, I love social media as a marketing platform. I do not like it as what it's doing to someone who's not in control of it. What are, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. I mean, you know, people are, it, it requires reframing and this is, I'm speaking for myself here. So, you know, if I think about my cultural upbringing, having an Asian tiger mom, and so it, you know, she it's it's, good, it's a constant beatdown, right? It, it's never good enough, and, and so you know, I learned to reframe the pain into something that's prerequisite for success. And so, if you can learn to reframe the pain, you're going to want more of it, right? As long as it's not harmful to you physically and it's not too damaging to you mentally, um, how can you go get more of that feedback? Go seek out, you know, the the painful stuff that's going to that's going to be required to to help you grow. Um, and that's what it is, right? That's like the, that's the ticket to success. Everyone that's successful has been through pain. Um, and those that, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe sure. Okay. You might be saying, okay, there's, but there's a contingency of people that inherited the money. Sure. Right. But they're not going to keep it for that long. It, there's a pre, there's a prerequisite to success and pain is one of them. I love that. What were some of the most painful moments, if you're open to sharing that you went through yeah. in your, in your journey? Oh, Totally. I mean, you know, you just talked about doing, you know, working for free. I, I think um, when I think about, you know, my first year of, we'll go to my podcast real quick. My first year of the Leveling Up podcast, I spent six hours a week on it. So I was doing the interviews, I was doing the show notes, I was doing the reaching out to people while I was trying to save the ag agency, Single Grain. Stupid idea because the, the, the agency was arguably more important because it was the yes. cash flow. Yeah. And, you know, after the first year, I only had nine downloads a day to show for it. Wow. So I think any logical person would have said, give up. You know, you're not getting anything from it. Why would you, a single range should be the priority. And, you know, I see that point. After the second year, I did the same thing again. Only 30 downloads a day. And so, you know, had I stopped right there, I would not have the two podcasts I have today where cumulatively, if you add them up, it's about 50 million downloads. Um, yeah. And it's continuing to grow, um, you know, about 1.6, 1.7 million downloads a month. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying stuff takes time to compound. And, you know, I, what I optimized for with the podcast was, hey, I optimized for learning and I optimized for the relationships. I wasn't optimized for the views. Yeah. I knew the other stuff would come along. So I think I encourage you, those of you that are trying to build, you know, leverage, media leverage in, in the beginning, take a look at the unsolicited response rate, meaning 
that can you see reviews or do their emails or people tweeting at you saying, hey, what you have is amazing. I don't know why you're not getting more downloads. That should be more than enough to keep you going. As long as you get one of those every now and then, you know, that that's that's you know perfect, right? And the other thing I'll add, the, probably the most painful moment was when I took over Single Grain. We dropped all the way down to one employee wow. because from how reasons, from how many? I think we had like twenty wow. when, when I first took and it were over. Were you in charge of getting rid of the people? Like you had conversations with them? Sorry, you, you cut out for That's me. That's okay. Were you were you on the forefront or were you in charge of getting rid of them? Because that must have been a brand new experience for you to be getting rid of people. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I had no experience running a company. Yeah. I had no business running a company. I was 26 or 27 at the time, right? I, I just came from my first job being a, a VP of marketing. So that was my first job doing managing. So I, I thought, you know, right. I came from tech. My poo-poo doesn't stink. And, um, you know, I, I promptly laid four people off without giving them severance, nothing. Didn't even think about their future. Um, and so... Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. We tried to convert. It was an SEO agency only at the time. We tried to convert it to a content marketing agency because Google's algorithms had rendered our business useless. Um, and so, you know, imagine this, right? First time running a business, had to change the business model. So I'm flying a plane that I don't know how to fly, and I'm trying to change the engines while I'm doing it, right? It's, it's pretty yeah. stupid. And so, you know, we dropped all the way down to one employee partly because I read this book called Let My People Go Surfing, which is a great book. It's, it's from the Patagonia co-founder. Okay. And I took it literally, the title. It's like, <laughs> yeah, let my people go surfing. Let them do their thing. Don't micromanage them. You know, I don't like to be micromanaged. You know, great. So I stopped showing up to the office. I stopped right. holding people accountable. And then things slowly started to crumble right before my eyes. Right There's, you know, people being people I hired being toxic. And this is all my fault, by the yeah. way. I'm not blaming anybody. Yeah. Right. It all, it all, the buck starts and stops with me. So... Dropped all the way down to one employee, and then my outside accounting firm called me and said, hey, it might be time to shut it down. Imagine how that feels, right? Mm. And you I, you double that down with, um, I got a job offer at the same time that would basically pay me up to seven figures a year, right? And I had said yes to that. And then the next day I realized, oh, I can't do this. Something's wrong. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to continue on with single grain. And I had a moment to get out. There was a mm -hmm. crossroads right there. And um, you know, decided to continue on. And uh, I'm not going to say I'm a genius or anything. I'm just going to say we, we grinded it. We grinded through it and we made the asymmetric bet work out. I, I love how you mentioned that one exit because I've just found and I think maybe people will laugh at this is because they've experienced it is like the moment it gets really hard, there's usually something that comes. And I just I, I mean, I believe in energy and consciousness and, and universal powers that are beyond your comprehension of like, hey, here's an exit for you if you really don't want this. And people like you who are just like, you know what? Um I'm going to do this. The universe rewards you. And, and, and it did. It's, it's amazing to see. It's important to think too. And, and thank you for that. It's, um, you know, I, I used to play a lot of poker, so it's important to, there's a good book called thinking and bets. It's from a poker player named Annie Duke. And, um, at the time the bet to me, even though it was, you know, on paper, it's, it's, you know, we're talking seven figures. It didn't make sense to me because I could feel that the company culture was falling apart and I could feel I wouldn't get the resources that I needed, um, to get the work I needed to, to get done you know, a couple of years later that, that, exactly how, how it played out exactly that way. So my bet was if I make this bet, I don't think it's going to play out. Right. So I'm better off continuing with my original bet. So it's important to think about, you know, the different dynamics of the different options that are presented to you. Could, could I ask you this? Cause you, you come off to me as a um, very smart dude and you're well thought out. You're well-spoken. I'm sure that you're extremely logical, but you mentioned this thing. Some people call it like a gut feeling. Some will call it the intuition. And I find that people are either on, 
either spectrum of it, but just from my observation of people who are really winning, they have found a way to like trust their gut, trust their intuition, even when it doesn't make logical, strategic, smart math sense. And oftentimes when they go with their gut, do you have anything to share around that? Because I think that's a skill that comes with experience. Yeah, I think it's, um, and so thank you for the kind words. Uh, you know, what I would say is in that scenario, the way I was evaluating that bet for the job, I actually looked at the glass door. So I looked at the glass door to see what people were saying about the company. I also felt it when I went into interview for the company. Right. They put me through the ringer for two days. <laughs> it was eight hours of interviews for two days plus dinner. It was a lot. Right. But I could just tell that people didn't want to be there. And I can tell the people I was interacting with, you, you want to talk about, um, you know, it, it's, I just knew I wouldn't get the resources either, right? And I, I can tell it was a right. very money-focused organization, which is fine. It's just it's not what I'm focused on completely. Um, and so I, I could just tell, look, core values didn't match up. I could feel that the people didn't really, really enjoy working there. And those things added up to me. I'm like, you know, 80% chance this doesn't work out. Beautiful. So, But with the other bet, you know, with single grain, you know, the odds are like – you know, maybe maybe 20% chance it works out, but if it works out, it's unlimited upside. Yeah. Right. But the other one is, if it works out, um, you know, I, I I'm capped in terms of my upside, and I'm also reporting to somebody, and there's nothing wrong with reporting to somebody. It's just not for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, because you've mentioned this a few times, yeah, your own values and the company core values, and you 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 just realized they weren't aligned. When it comes to core values or just your values, um, what are your like top two or three, do you have them defined in a way you can articulate or is it just something you feel? Yeah. So we, we do have core values for the, you know, the, the, the companies that we have. And, you know, one of the core values, the main one would be, would be growth. And so, you know, growth to me is leveling up. Growth to me is, you know, learning every day. It's getting better. So that one's probably the most important one because the, the core values, the culture stems from the founder. Um, and, you know, we have some other ones, long-term vision, um, integrity, accountability, creativity, tenacity, um, those, a lot of those stem from, from me. And then, you know, whether it's, um, and then we have operators that run these businesses and they kind of inject their own DNA into it. But if I had to pick one, it'd probably be growth because it relates directly with leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like leveling up is such a common theme. Any, any little, um, nuggets. I was, I was on the website. I think it's levelingup.com or am I right on that? With the actual lander for the book. And I saw some, um, pretty cool, uh, previews and insights into the book, but any little secret nugs that we can pull out of you without yeah. without asking for too much from that book? Anything that you know would benefit us? Yeah, I mean, there's one chapter that I that I enjoy that's kind of counterintuitive. It's it's called thievery, and you know, I remember when I played a game um, when I was about 12 years old. I I won a championship, and I I didn't win a championship because I particularly had an amazing strategy. It's because I copied somebody else in, in preliminaries. Right. So this is like a one-on-one championship type of thing, right? And you have to—it's a fight to the death. And um, you know, I was getting demolished in preliminaries. I didn't have a strategy. But then once I saw that person, you know, I, I lucked out with timing. That person went before me, and I, I started seeing this person play. I was like, oh, that's all I need to do. So right. you know, you apply it to the world of business. You look at what Steve Jobs says: everything in life is a remix, right? They copied Xerox's mouse. They copied the graphical user interface. A lot of stuff—we're we're just building on the shoulders of, of, of titans. That's okay. all we're doing. Like you and me doing a podcast interview, it's it's not really different from radio a while back, right? What right. happened before radio? Who knows, right? Um, but there's just a lot of these dynamics where I think humans like to think that we come up with stuff that's original all the time. But whatever we have that comes original, it's probably like, you know, 10 to 20% unique and the rest, you know, it's basically an iteration. Yeah, so amazing. And I just love, I love, I, I, I love observing people and just your thought 
process? Do you have philosophies? Or I, I was reading, rereading Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, arguably one of my favorite books. It's just like his principles for living life and his business all into a book that he can model. And anything he'd do, he'd succeed because of these principles. It's fascinating to me. Do you think you have some some core principles other than gamifying or, or creating a game out of it? Anything that, that we can learn from you in, in that front? Because it sounds like, I mean, you're on a streak and I, I don't believe in um, luck, like maybe once or twice, but you seem to have a nice consistent record of winning here. So what's what's some of these philosophies? Yeah, I, I think one is that's really important is there's there's coaches, right? And then there's coaches. So what I mean by that is, you know, I've, I've had coaches that will hold me accountable and, and things like that. And then, you know, you know, I, the one coach I have right now, he he previously was a VC and he coaches some of the most amazing people in the world. Um, you know, he coaches and I'm not saying I'm amazing. I'm saying like the people like he coaches the CEO of Twilio, for example. Right. And right. they just went public, multi-billion dollar thing. Um and, you know, I have this turtle here in front of me and, you know, there's a significance behind the turtle is the the work that we've done. Um, he basically helped me unwind a lot of my childhood, a lot of how we are in real life. It's just how we were programmed from childhood. And so, you know, there's a reason why um, I purposely try to slow down my talking now, but I type fast. I, <laughs> I used to talk a lot faster. I do things really fast, too. What we realized, I'm covering a couple things. Um, you know, team members would say Eric moves at his own pace. It's hard to keep up sometimes that that's a big indicator. Um, but you know, this is all to say slow down. Right. And, but I wouldn't have realized that the reason why I tried to move so quickly is from my childhood, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't left behind. I wanted to make sure that I was seen, especially from my parents, because they never acknowledged what I was doing when I was playing games. And so this is all like, you know, my, 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 you know, stuff that comes out of the closet from, you know, my, my childhood, but yeah. it makes all the sense in the world, right? We are who we are because of the first 18 to 20 years. Like that doesn't go away. hundred percent. I love that. That's like the work I absolutely love. And it's what I'm fascinated with is like, I no longer search for, rarely search for strategic and tactical stuff. I actually find very little value in that. It's like the coaching that I get or the coaching yeah. you even give is like, that's the stuff that matters. That's like the stuff that ticks. So I'm super pumped that obviously you've been exploring and diving into that. But it's hard to sell that stuff too, by the way. Yeah. Like nobody wants to buy mindset coaching, right? And so, you know, the reason why I brought it my um, is because he doesn't give me direct advice. He asks me really good questions. Yeah. And so I think what it's important is if you're a coach, if you can somehow intersect your life experiences with your level of coaching, that's true value. But if you're starting out at, you know, 21 years old and you're trying to coach someone that's, you yeah. know, uh, way more advanced in their career on, on career stuff, it doesn't work because you don't have the context and you don't understand. So that's just my thought. 100%. And I agree with that. And I think what we're diving into here is like want first need because a lot of times, you know, are these coaches we work with or even I know what someone needs. When someone signs up with us, it's like it's 50%, maybe 30% sales and marketing and 70% mindset. It's hard to sell mindset. So we have a sales and marketing program on make money and build this and do beautiful branding. But behind that is like, dude, get ready to get ripped apart and put back together. Yep. But it's hard to sell. So I love that. Like give people what they want and then slip in exactly what they need. Exactly. So cool. So cool. Um, other than that, so you have, so it sounds like a philosophy of, I guess it comes back to the first thing of like growth, of of exploration, of asking those hard questions of yourself in terms of like um, problem solving or actually building these businesses. Like I feel, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but if you lost everything 
and you had to start a new company, you'd probably do it three or four times faster than you did the first three or four times, or you'd probably do it fairly quickly, probably in any vertical. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, so yes, um, and you know, I, I would just say, look, if I lost everything, and I've thought about this before, if I lost everything, I couldn't work anymore. I, I would just be a teacher. If you stripped me down to my core essence, it's I love to learn yeah. and I love to articulate my thoughts through teaching, right? Which which is why I teach online. I teach at local colleges here, you know, pre-COVID. Um, but if you're to think about kind of a business philosophy, which I think, which is what you're getting towards, um, you know, I, I think especially hanging out in some of these clubhouses where you do have coaches and, and consultants in there. Um, the, the problem I see is that there's a very type of, there's a sh type of short termism, right? It's like, how do we gain short term profits? Um, which is totally right. fine. But what ends up happening is when you think about, let's look at Warren Buffett. So he's worth about $85 billion. Most people don't know that 84 billion of that came after his 65th birthday. So mm. the law of compounding, right? People talk about long-term thinking. The more you can defer, right? This is one of my philosophies. The more I, I can defer the profits, right? Um, you know, let's let's assume that I don't have any other, you know, obligations to worry about. Um, the more my, my profits will compound and the more impact I can have on the world, right? And so, I, I used to, you know, think about money all the time, probably my 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 20s, because that's all my parents, you know, I was brought up. My parents talked about it all yeah. the time. But then you realize, the more you try to optimize for money, the less you're going to make. And so, you can certainly make a good, right. you know, seven figure business, um, or or so. But I, I think, you know, if you want to maximize your potential, it's um, you might have to reframe your mindset into thinking about the long term. And when I say you, I'm really more so thinking about me. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I I I hand up it's so easy to get into the short-term thinking and just i try to take time every single week to just yo get into the long term the vision delayed gratification yes you could buy a lambo but just stop i'd rather have six or 12 months cash on t cash yeah. till death than than driving a two hundred fifty thousand dollars car that's going to depreciate and i've come yeah. close man i'm just like damn I, like let me get something real fancy well, like, i mean no, by no, the no, way, man. if you're into cars like you know why not right it's just 100. it depends on what you're into it's like you know, don't feel guilty just because other people are saying, oh, I don't buy Lambos and things 100. like that. I think it's um, but look, it, the other thing, the, the beauty of long term thinking is, um, you know, if you're constantly reinvesting into back into your business or other opportunities, you're low on cash. So it keeps yeah. you hungry. Yeah, so. true that 100 percent, 100 percent. If 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 people want to find your book again, I, I, am I right? February 24th. I don't know why I just remember this date because I yeah, can't no, remember you, you my own it. birthday. Got it my, perfectly. My yeah. girlfriend's birthday, I could not tell you, but for some reason, I just know this. Oh, but, I appreciate um, it. Um, where, could, where could they find that? I'll make sure the link's below, but where could they find that? Can we pre-order this thing? Yeah, you can pre-order. Here, I'll, I'll pop the book up again just so you cool. know what it looks like. So levelingup.com, I got the domain. Um, you can pre-order it from your favorite online retailer, and uh, yeah, that's where you can get it. I, I, I love asking this, this question just to kind of wrap things up, and, and you're welcome to take a little bit of time to think about it, although you're such a quick thinker that you'll just have the answer right away, I think, but... If you could, if you could pass down one thing that could be business, could be life, with wherever you're at and all the things you've been through, into eighteen years. When did you start your entrepreneurial journey? What what age? Um, I mean, I started failing at twenty two years old, twenty three years old. I bought my first e commerce site. So actually, my first business was actually an acquisition. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So so twenty two. I don't know what you were feeling, but I would guess that like anxiety, stress, not enoughness, wanting it quicker, what's wrong with me, all this kind of stuff. And you could just sort of time machine your way back and just pat yourself on the back and just let you, 22-year-old, you know one thing. What would it be? Yeah. Um, well, 
I have this card in front of me. This is a Pokemon card. I paid $2,000 for this thing, right? Which seems stupid on paper. And the point I'm bringing this up right now, the reason is going back to long-term thinking, things take time to compound and patience, thinking in decades, not in years. Because if you actually look back on your last decade, oh my God, you've accomplished so much. Mm. Um, just to understand that, that doesn't mean you can slack off short-term. It's, it's short-term, you, you still gotta be hungry. But to understand that the results happen in decades. Um, so for this, you know, I'm just buying and holding. When I think about my businesses, mm. I'm just buying and holding. I'm not looking to necessarily sell. I might structure it to sell so it runs efficiently. But when you look at the Warren Buffett's, again, poster child for this, right? He, he All he does most of the time is he buys and he holds. Sometimes he might sell, but you know he has he has seized candies. He just takes the profits from that business and reinvests it into, in, into other areas. So, and, and to, him, to me, when you think about billionaires, you got to look at, who's actually satisfied, who's actually content with yeah. their life. He's easily one of those people. And you can see plenty of billionaires out there that are just not satisfied. And so, you know, as long as when you have a, if you have a patient mindset, you're probably going to be satisfied, right? Because you know that you got, you got what you need and, you know, things take time. That's what it is. I love that you brought that up because not enough people talk about it. But I remember when I bought, I wanted a black BMW, I built a business, I started cashing out, I bought a black BMW thinking I'd be so damn happy. Stupid, right? And I pull up to a red light and a Ferrari just blows me off the green light. And I'm like, oh, I need a Ferrari. And I was like, that cycle <laughs> continued until I was like, yo, if you don't learn how to be happy right now, like genuinely wake up with tears of gratitude and get into that state for the rest of the day, you're, you are not going to be happy ever. And yep. it took me a long time to learn that, but it sounds like you also adapt that or, or practice that. Yeah, I mean, look... Like to your point, that cycle, it's a downward spiral. It's yeah. never enough. And then you realize, you know, some of the richest people in the world, what you can say is, you know, oh, wow, you have something that other people don't have, like the richest that you, you have enough. Yeah. So, yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, links where people can find you and connect with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Twitter or Instagram or Clubhouse, all the same username at Eric O-S-I-U. O-S-I-U. I'll leave all of the links below. And again, really, really appreciate your time. It's been insightful. I always, I'm always, i always all amped up after talking to, to, to brilliant people like yourself. So really appreciate that. Appreciate it, Lucas. This is fun. Thank you, sir. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.